Okay, are we ready? I think so. You already said you were, and I'm just asking again. <laughs> so many, so many, so many damn books. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Hillary Leichter joining us in the Zoom damn library. <laughs> the damn Zoom library. Hillary, thank you so much for teching up with us. And yeah. Teching to talk. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. This is the highlight of my week. Okay. <laughs> well, that is probably a lie, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be to be honest, our weeks are pretty empty these days. So is not that true? <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. it. I guess I'll take it because it's obviously yeah, we don't have a lot of true. competition. <laughs> uh, Hillary Leichter, uh, your writing has appeared in N Plus One, The New Yorker, The Cut, The Southern Review, and elsewhere teach fiction at Columbia University, and you've been awarded fellowships from Folger Shakespeare Library and the New York Foundation for the Arts. And you live in Brooklyn. That's oh, it's so sad. We would have just had you in the regular I damn know. library, but there's something happening right now that's keeping us from doing that. <laughs> you know what it's not doing? It's not keeping us from getting you a cocktail. I'm loving these uh, these socially distanced deliveries, and this this one was really exciting. Um, <laughs> it was an alcohol delivery, and I didn't have to buy food to go with it. <laughs> so I've been really interested in um, this cocktail book that this um, restaurant uh, down the street from me put out. Um, Hunky Dory Brooklyn has been Ooh. doing all sorts of stuff in quarantine, and. Um, they started going to a bunch of different bars like all around the nation and asked um, for the bartenders there to uh, to do some sort of reusable or um, recycled cocktail. So the, the, these are coffee grounds. These are used coffee grounds that I made the coffee liqueur from. Um, cool. So this is the, this is a cocktail from the person who made it. So this is a bar down in Florida called Boats Drink Bar. And this is uh, Brienne Rapp's uh, recipe for a drink called Speedboat Captain, which um, there's a lot of boats in your book. And <laughs> I just thought of, I thought, I don't know, I, I wanted to do some sort of seafaring thing. I, I tried to infuse um, gin with sardine olive oil first, and that tasted really strange. So I went to this coffee liqueur drink, which is coffee liqueur, rum, fresh lemon, and seltzer. And um, and we delivered the coffee liqueur, rum, and uh, lemon in a little container, and then seltzer to pour on top. I don't know. I was I was pleased with the presentation of the pack. I was too. <laughs> I have to say, I love little containers. I'm gonna keep that little bottle forever and ever and ever. <laughs> it's so well, cute. <laughs> it's really good. It's a perfect size for um, like secreting it into a pocket for a for a movie cocktail. Oh, if we oh. still went to if, if you're allowed to ever go to a movies again. That's so um, optimistic of you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you very much to to Hunky Dory and Claire Sprouse for putting out um, go check out this really it's called Alt Outlook Good Optimistic Cocktails. Um, and they just put out volume one and all the proceeds goes to helping rest out of work restaurant workers, which is pretty cool. That's great. It's um, delicious. It's oh, really, I'm so really, glad. Yeah. It's very good. It's very refreshing. It it's is. That, it's that coffee. The coffee and the lemon combo. And we drink so much coffee over here that we're always looking for something to do with the grounds. And it's like, can we clean with them? Can we make art with them? But no, we can drink more drinks with them. <laughs> <laughs> you solve. And I love that it's called a speedboat captain because I was thinking... Um, a lot about Speedboat by Renata Adler. Oh, not, yeah. not necessarily when I was writing the book, but when I was shopping it around to editors and trying to sell it. And Ooh. I, at one point I was like, it's the Speedboat for our generation. And then immediately <laughs> regretted everything. <laughs> hey, we like to say passion sells passion. So I, I, <laughs> sure. I believe in that. <laughs> oh, so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so... Now that we're all um, caffeinated, we should <laughs> talk about something that we bought um, or were sent to us. 
Drew, do you want to start? Sure. I just got in the mail uh, two books that I'm quite excited about from Orbit Books, uh, two galleys of fantasy novels that are coming out later this year. One that I've been excited about for ages, and that is um, The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow. I loved her first book, uh, The 10,000 Doors of January. And the minute that I saw she had another book, I requested it. And have every time I get the notification that a UPS package is coming, I'm like, is it today? <laughs> is it today? And finally, it was the day. But it also came with um, a galley of a new book from H.G. Perry called A Declaration of the Rights of Magicians. And it sounds like I don't know anything about it other than that it is a historical fantasy um, with the idea that at some point during a lot of the revolutions that occurred during the 1800s, magicians also were like actual magic users, not like Penn and Teller magicians, um, <laughs> also decide like, all right, yeah, we're going to take a stand. I know nothing else about it. And I'm kind of excited to just see what it's like. I'm so annoyed because that was I I they are they sent those to me too and (laughs) now you gotta pick something else. Once in Future Witches, I mean it's about suffrage and witches in 1893, which it just sounds awesome. I uh I'm completing my Kevin Wilson readathon um and I'm listening to the Family Fang. I just downloaded it. It's a great narrator. Nice and um I'm so excited to be back in his voice. And now I will be a Kevin Wilson completist, which is something fun to do. Oh, um, I am, I'm eagerly awaiting. They, I've been asking for this galley as soon as they were available. Um, and I, I am similarly like checking my notifications because Susanna Clark has a new fantasy novel coming out this Ooh. November. Um, and the galley is supposed to arrive any minute now. It's called Piranesi. And uh, you should definitely pre-order because I've also pre-ordered my copy. I'm just like, what's going to get here first (laughs) (laughs) at this point? Um, So those are my, that's what I got. Hillary? Well, when you say November, I'm almost like, the year's over. There's no books in November. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting that, oh my God, I, yeah, I'm, I just made a mental note of all those titles. Um, I did, I ordered a a book bundle from loyalty bookstore cool. and they, yeah, they're doing this cool thing. There's different levels of bundle that you can get and you fill out a survey about what you like. And of course my survey was like, I don't know all of it. <laughs> and so <laughs> sorry to be annoying, but they sent me all of it, like po- everything from poetry to um, just like a light fun rom-com to literary fiction. Uh, But the two titles I was most excited to read, um, this book called Almond, that I think came out last year, and the author is Wan Pyung Son. And um, it's just, it's got, I can show you the cover. It's like this beautiful cover. (laughs) I do recognize that book. Yeah, I've been wanting to read this. And um, so they sent a copy of that and Whatever Happened to Interracial Love by oh. Kathleen Collins. Yeah. And I had never read those stories. So I'm really excited about both of those. But there was like a pen in the bundle and a pretty notebook that said uh, fuck it list on it, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is apropos. Yeah. So I'm excited about those. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I have to check that out. I love, I love turning over curation to somebody and being like I, pick some yeah. cool stuff for me especially yeah, I, bookstore owners like i just yeah. want them to pick everything for me <laughs> that i read <laughs> let's talk about your novel temporary um it came out march 3rd so <laughs> right before <laughs> um the world broke and um and why don't you tell our listeners what it's about do you have a obviously sure. it's like speedboat and what else <laughs> <laughs> um is, is it though i don't know it's a, so it's the story of a woman who works as a temp and being a temp in the world of this book is very different from being a temp in our world but also maybe not so different but she <laughs> she gets assigned these very surreal jobs so she has to work on a pirate ship and for assassins and as a mother um, for a witch and 
all in an attempt to gain something that temporary workers in this world call the steadiness, which sounds like it's a permanent job, like a nine to five salaried job, but maybe it's more than that. And that's kind of a mystery in the book. But um, yeah, that's what it's about. Nice. <laughs> it's about capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the death and capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the um, setting something in the world of gig work um, or, you know, what what was it about? Were you a temp and you just were like, what, why don't I get really cool um, assignments? Like, <laughs> why don't I get to work for an assassin? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. I just really wanted to move up in the world and start murdering people. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I wrote the book as a short story originally. Uh -huh. And um, published it and thought it was done, as we often do when we publish something. It's like, finish with that. Um, and then, you know, years passed and I was still working all of these wild and unreasonable jobs. I've rarely worked as an official temp, but my work has been temporary. You know, it's like it's gig work. It's... Mm -hmm. Um, contractor work. So it's all in that Venn diagram of we don't care about you very much. <laughs> and I, um, and I was still doing it years later. And so I was working on this other novel, wasn't really getting anywhere with it. I went back and looked at the short story and I thought, wow, this is still me. Maybe I should think about that a little bit and revisit this world. And I did. Um, and so yeah, it was, it was very much my life at the time. And all of the feelings that I felt about being unmoored, but also feeling lucky that the work that I was doing while boring and inconsequential was at least not immediately life-threatening. And yet it was part of a system that regu regularly devalues people's lives in much more severe ways than I've ever experienced. Mm. So it became about that. Um, but it started as a, a romp through my various forms of employment. <laughs> what, what was the, what part of it was the short story or is that not in the novel at all? Was that just a jumping off point? Oh no, it, it, yeah, it is. It's actually most of the, the novel is in the short story. Um, oh, you just yeah, pulled it ballooned it and like oh. just inflated it. Um, yeah, I mean, there are, there's a handful of jobs that aren't in there. And then all of the mythology of the world, that was something that I was thinking about when I was writing the short story, but didn't exist on the page. Um, yeah, so it was really just a, it was less of like the short story being a starting off point and more just taking that world and trying to turn it into an actual world, which is hard mm. to do in only six or seven pages. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's neat to hear that it started as a short story because it also, each of the jobs sort of functions as a short story. I could imagine sharing any of the, I was actually flipping through it just to refresh myself and I landed on a couple of them that are, short that are under 10 pages and rereading them not only was i pulled back into the world immediately but it felt fully contained mm -hmm. in a way that's it's really marvelous because each each thing builds on top of one another there's a there's a structure to it and i guess i to have a question as opposed to just complimenting the book um <laughs> go is, on <laughs> i i would love to know just more about what that writing process was like and did you did you feel like you were using these modules like what was it like to expand it out and turn it into this structure yeah that's a really good question um the first draft of the book i wrote very very quickly and it was really just an exercise in recursion and following each sentence and word to its natural punniest conclusions. And <laughs> that's how I, that's really how I wrote it, you know, without an outline, without, I mean, there was the short story, which sort of served as, you know, an unofficial outline, but I really just 
powered through and you know if a witch appeared in one sentence it was or even if the word witch w-h-i-c-h appeared then suddenly oh the next job is has to be with a witch and i just mm, followed cool. the words to where they led and then of course in editing it some of those things didn't work <laughs> some of them did <laughs> so i really it's interesting that you're saying that drew because i i teach flash fiction and I was working on a novel while I was teaching all these very, very short micro stories. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, why don't I approach each chapter of this as if it were a story that one of my students was turning in. And so I printed the book. Um, I stapled each chapter into an individual packet and I edited each one so that it really moved in the way that a very, very short piece of fiction could um, wow. so that there was like fold back within that chapter. And so not, I don't necessarily think that they can all stand alone, but I wanted them to stand on their own language wise. And I didn't mm. want anything to just be filler or not moving the emotional plot forward in some way. And so I did that. And that was a big part of editing the book and then kind of folded it all back together and started approaching it again as a, as one big blob of text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no one's ever asked me about that before. And I, it was a really big part of the editing process for me. That's such a cool, I love that. I love hearing about like the cool ways that people tear books apart to put them back together. And that's yeah. awesome. One of my favorite things about the book is the um, is the the boyfriend's chorus, <laughs> um, and it, they end up being like um, they end up being like a glue. Now that I'm thinking about like in, like a job is over and she's like oh, I should probably check in with my apartment. <laughs> yeah, and then and and then, but they, it's not just there. Then they then she actually goes and deals with all of them. Um, so like I, I I love the boyfriends. I that made me laugh and um, a lot. And it actually kind of brought me to like, after I finished reading this book, I gave it to my wife and she read it and um, she was like, Ooh, that was a really depressing book. Like it's so <laughs> sad and like, it's so bleak. And I'm just like, Oh, I, <laughs> I, found it, <laughs> I found it so funny and like playful. And, and, um, and it was just so funny that like, you could either say this is bleak and playful or playfully bleak. And I used to be very much a gig worker. So I feel like mm. I, I understand and wished for more adventure in my gig work. Um, that wasn't just writing about adventures that other people were having. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like I saw the playfulness because like, oh, like it's a new locale. It's completely crazy. And, you know, in, instead of getting, oh, like it's assassins, it's death. I mean, I, I think that's awesome that, that you had two different readings of it. And I don't think you can have one without the other. Mm -hmm. Or frankly, now in 2020, I'm not interested in reading one without the other. Yeah. I think that you need both. And I think that it, for this plot in particular, it mirrors the the kind of dissociative thing that happens when you're working one of these jobs where you get folded in really quickly to whatever's happening and you just have to accept it. Like in improv, you just are like, yes, and I will photocopy your foot. Yes. And I will go get your dry cleaning. Yes. I will marry your son. What? What's going on? <laughs> and then there are the moments when you, you have to stop and say, you kind of slap yourself and say, wait a minute, murder's not okay. And arson is not okay. And like, I just like, I don't know. I, um, I think that those moments where you get pulled out and shoved back in, that's the tension between tragedy and, and comedy. Yeah. There's this long portion where she's on a pirate ship <laughs> and, uh, and it's fantastic, but it, it really, re I started to think about other like, modern piracy books like Sarah, Le Sarah Levine's Treasure Island with three exclamation points. Oh my God. Everyone has bring, been bringing this book up and I just, I actually should have brought that up of what I've purchased recently. I just ordered it oh, cool. um, from it's Bookshop. So good. Yeah, I can't, I read the description and I was like, this is my long lost 
sister. I can't wait to read it. I can't wait. You guys need to talk. I, yeah. I because I, some of this really felt like it was in conversation with what that character was going through. Oh wow. Um, and I, I also was thinking about Daniel Handler's um, "We Are Pirates," where they like go and commandeer a pirate ship in the San Francisco Bay or a regular. I think it's just a schooner, and they make it a pirate ship. Um, and I it's just want to know. Is it young no, adult? Is it, oh, it's, it's not. not. Oh, interesting. It's, okay. It's uh, it's a novel. It was like his first novel post Lemony Snicket. Um, oh, cool. And I was just curious, like, what, what, how did you get to pirates? Like, what was, the, how did you get there? Yeah, it's a very direct, straight line from a high wind in Jamaica oh. to the pirates of Penzance to my book. <laughs> it's really <laughs> like, there's really no, it was, it came out of nowhere when I was writing it and then I reread it and I was like, Oh yeah, that tracks. So that's, that's exactly <laughs> right. Um, yeah. High wind in Jamaica is one of my favorite novels of all time. And I love, I love the pirates for their lack of pirateness in that book. They're just so, worried about the children and i i don't know i liked i liked how playful that was um and also there are that book does something very similar i think with playfulness and devastation too which was inspiring to me um, and then pirates of penzance i'm hugely influenced by musical theater and music in general and um I love that. I, I'm not a huge Gilbert and Sullivan fan, but I love Pirates of Penzance, particularly the absolutely batshit version with Kevin Klein and Linda Ronstadt oh, and Angela, man, oh, which man. is like, it is like, it just came from someone's deepest, darkest, <laughs> silliest brain. And I, I love it. And I love, I love how everything in that plot kind of rests on turns of phrase too. Like they're just all about duty and orphans and that's it. <laughs> it's not like if you're an orphan, great. If you feel duty in your heart, great. Nothing else matters. That's it. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I love like the arbitrariness of, of plots like that. Mm. Cause our lives, our lives feel arbitrary right now and, mm. and not, they feel, I mean, they feel so consequential and also like, I don't know. Like they're passing very, very quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been wild to think about the ways in which everything, everything has changed mm -hmm. in the last few months. But I read this book early this year in like late January and I was temping, which mm -hmm. was also a whole level of like, I would be waiting for the email from my temp agency being like, <laughs> All right, so I guess there's a whole other realm of things I was not considering could be employment for me. But it, I've been thinking a lot about work and work-life balance, and that was like why I left my longtime job last year. And then the pandemic hit, and everybody is unemployed. And just the ways in which this book, in the best way, it gets more timely, it feels like. It feels like mm -hmm. one of those books that I increasingly want to shove into not necessarily everybody's hands, but certainly everybody in our large cohort and generation and be like this, there's something about the way that you, I think it does come together with the chairman of the board sequence towards the end. And I don't want to give it away for anybody who mm -hmm. hasn't read it necessarily, but the ways in which you peel back with both humor and tragedy, the, devil's bargain that all of us like got signed up for basically at birth that mm -hmm. now suddenly we're seeing like okay what if we what if we tear this down and actually like what if we just fucking did it mm -hmm. in a yeah. way that that does make me christopher to your point it makes me feel hopeful too even though it's like it's that razor's edge of if if we collectively make one false step it things end up looking much less hopeful mm -hmm. but i mean like i even i read the end of this book as um both the exit interview and sort of that last um there's a, a last epilogue-ish moment mm -hmm. as like really beautiful and hopeful and 
this is more about the world than about the book, but do you, do you feel that hope? Do you see, like, were you feeling hopeful as you were pushing this book out and thinking maybe we can change or is it more of like, I don't know, we're all fucked. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I don't think we're all fucked. I, <laughs> I do. I am. I do feel hope. I feel, um, I have faith in the power of human beings to imagine themselves out of anything. And I, I did mean the ending to be hopeful, but it's also painful because I think what we're, like you said, what would happen if we just really ripped this out at the root? And that's the problem with ripping something out at the root. Like we are all made from capitalism, right? This is what we're made of. This is what our families are built on. Our careers are built on our homes, the ways we identify ourselves and find meaning in our lives. And so doing that means recognizing where you're from and kind of destroying it in a certain way and committing yeah. to something new. And that's really hard to do. And I, um, I don't think that anyone is going to succeed at it 100%, but there are small ways to try at least. And um, I think that it will help once there's an alternative. Mm -hmm. And right now I don't think that um, it, the conversation is just stalled at canceling everything. Right. <laughs> and, you know, like we can't even get past the idea of abolishing the police, which is a great idea, but that still like requires um, even the, the words around it are like, they just require explanation for, for many people. And they require yeah. like, if you, if you don't understand what something is, then you can't imagine your way into it. And so I love that there are all these articles now just like walking through step-by-step step for people who don't know what that actually entails and what that means and what it looks like for our communities and how it will literally change people's lives by extending them. Yeah. And that's like, that's the hard work of imagination is like letting other people see what you see. And I don't, I, as a country, I just don't, I don't know that we're at a place where everyone wants to see something new and that's the real issue. Right. But I have no, I mean, I have so much faith in our ability to dream up something that seems impossible right now. I just, the thing that I get stuck on is the people who don't want anything to change. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's always the problem, but because change is hard and uncomfortable and it can be terrifying. It can be violent. It should be, frankly. Yeah. Uh, you've sort of been forced to, into changing how a book is published um, or <laughs> and, and how like a, a book is rolled out. I'm just curious how this has felt to to be flogging your book and 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 trying to be lead the umpa band uh, in the <laughs> in the midst of everything like what's that been like honestly i feel really lucky because it came out on march 3rd which really was on the cusp and so while i didn't really get to do a tour or a book launch at all those things don't matter like really they don't it's just like the victory lap that's what my friends and I call it so I didn't get I still ran the marathon I just don't get to do the victory lap right. and I'm you know if anything was just more disappointed about that because my family was coming in and you know they haven't met all these people in my life and they've never been to a book launch some of them and it was going to be really I'm disappointed that I didn't get to have a party basically. <laughs> yeah. but everything else and also that feels like it was a thousand years ago and I can't even remember <laughs> upset about that and how stupid like it feels now um I feel so lucky that I just at least had a minute to talk about my book and not the coronavirus connected to it which a lot of people don't have the opportunity to do right now and I would say like just a PSA for everyone if you are interviewing someone about their work like make sure to let them talk about it on their own terms too and not just in terms of this brave new world that we're experiencing yeah because I think I think a lot of people whose books came out later are having to talk about something that frankly none of us really understand instead of their work um 
I Sorry. feel I, no. Oh my God. No, 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 no. I like not me. I don't, I mean, cause I've been, this has been a few months now. So like I have a spiel. <laughs> um, but I, I think I have mixed feelings. Like I miss the human interaction. Like it would be so much fun to hang out with you two in person right now. I am like a cre a social creature. So I, I, I miss my friends. I miss being around other human beings um, and that kind of energy that just comes from proximity to people who aren't you. <laughs> like yeah. I feel very much like sick of myself. And, um, but I also think that this whole thing in publishing this, the coronavirus republishing has just brought to light for me and other people who are ignorant issues that people in our community have been facing for years like you know, most bookstores in new york are not accessible this is something that i keep talking about it's absurd yeah. to me how many stairs there are everywhere and like the fact that some of my friends who would not have been able to come to certain events could come just like in the comfort of their own living room maybe that's something we should think about and make possible at future events that happen in person um i think like it's just it's just opened my eyes to a lot of shortcomings so again i feel hopeful that whatever happens next will be changed for the better yeah it is nice though to to be at this place of okay to the point we were talking about with like the larger structures of capitalism maybe there's some stuff that should have been torn down years ago that now we're seeing the ways in which it's so easy to do something else and make it better. Yeah. And my, my hope is that we'll carry those lessons forward, mm -hmm. even if it's incremental, but yeah, it's like put some fucking ramps into your bookstores. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. While no or one's, just... while there's no foot traffic right now. <laughs> exactly. It's not that hard. Um, or just like, the idea that New York, that you somehow have to live in New York to be an editorial assistant. We yeah. now know that that's a load of trash. Like it's just, it just is. So, so maybe diversifying the editors who are acquiring books starts with accepting people who can't afford to live in New York on those yeah. ridiculous jokes of a salary, you know, like, I think that like exposing BS is a big way to bring about change. It's like, you've been telling us this one thing for years, but now we all know that that's not true. Even <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, like we've all been working home for months from home for months now. So yeah, I I'm hopeful that things will change. You brought a um, really exciting book along with with you or had us read this um, book, Wild Milk, um, yeah. by Sabrina Orup Mark, who also wrote one of my absolute favorite pandemic genre pieces. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, the Bread is Over. What is yeah, it's a it's a column. Um, gosh. I don't remember what the column is called, but it's basically about fairy tales. It's a column about fairy tales that she does for the Paris Review. And I love the the, the one you're talking about is the bread is over, fuck the bread, <laughs> which is <Right>. just, <laughs> it's so good. And there's so much rage in there, but she did another one um, in April that's also about the pandemic. And I, I screenshotted some of my favorite parts from it. I don't know if, Oh yeah. You want me to read that? Absolutely. Know, but it's just it's so good. Ugh. It is almost Passover, which like a fairy tale and a virus depends on repetition. Every year on the 15th of Nisan, we retell the story of the Exodus from Egypt. We dip our pinkies into a full glass of red wine, and for every plague brought upon the Egyptians, we make a stain, one for blood, one for frogs one for lice, one for a maelstrom of beasts, one for pestilence, one for boils, one for hail, one for locusts, one for darkness, and one for the killing of the firstborn. For $14.99 on Amazon, you can buy a bag of plagues that includes plastic frogs, 
and insects, white balls for hail, a sticky hand with white dots for boils, red ink for blood, a plush cow, and a finger puppet of a dead boy. Delight the kids, reads the advertisement, with a bag of plagues, fun <laughs> and educational. I think we'll skip the plagues this year. <laughs> so the, just to say again, if I didn't already, this is Sabrina or a Mark. Yeah. Um, and, and this is in her. That gives you a taste. Of, yeah. Of the sort of writing that was in Wild Milk, which is published by the Dorothy Project. Um, and so this is a crazy book. It also has a face on it. I just... Like, oh yeah it does yeah it like, works kindred <laughs> i know i um, love this yeah i love this i love this face um with a little clown nose <laughs> on, on hers um would you tell and, us um yeah. why you brought it to us well i hadn't read it and i it was at the top of my tbr stack i i first tried to buy this book last year at awp but they were sold out and so that just made That's me good. want it even more. And then I forget, <laughs> I forgot because I forgot it existed because that's what happens in life. these times yeah. in life. <laughs> and then um, I ordered it. I saw it on, um, it might've, it might've been like a staff pick at Brazos bookstore. And so I ordered cool. it with like a bunch of books from them this spring. So I brought it to you so that I would finally read it. And I did. And I um, am obs I'm obsessed with it. I think like <laughs> it's it's surrealist. Um, yes. and she's a she's a poet too, which I think really comes across here. But yeah, I wanted to talk about something wild and freaky deaky with you guys. <laughs> I think this is like it just basically says f you to everything that is supposed to happen in a story, and that that first story, the title story, Wild Milk, is just like. Uh, it makes me feel something in the pit of my stomach. And if that's not what fiction is supposed to do, nothing happens in the story. It's just a mom dropping off her son at nursery school or daycare and her, the relationship that forms between her and um, the, the woman who works there. And that, that's it. There's no, there's no plot. And the plot right. is entirely from language and from all of these twists and turns and the things that are misheard and the things that are misunderstood. And, and um, it's just, oh God, I'm just, I'm in awe of it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a really wild. I mean, it feels so easy to be like wild milk is wild, <laughs> but it is, it's just, it's so lawless at times and some of the stories are really quite traditional like there's one uh the roster which almost stood out to me for its relative normalness mm. where it's like it's a professor who goes to a college and the co there's some like vaguely weird stuff at the college but it mostly just seems and the teacher's like, I, I wanted my kids to like me and then I felt weird about that so I quit my job and that's the end of the story and even the fact that that one felt more linear than so many of the other ones coming almost two thirds of the way through the collection, even that I was like, whoa, this is wild. <laughs> but there's it, all that secret stuff happening in that story where all her students are oh, yeah. Emily Dickinson and Bruno Schultz and, um, and uh, Samuel Beckett. And oh God, <laughs> it's so funny. It's and so I just, wild. The name dropping in this book is very funny where she's like, <laughs> where there's that one where she's just like calling up like Hillary Clinton and John Berryman. <laughs> Hillary Clinton are you my cleans mother? her house. Yeah, she's doing a, are you my mother construction. <laughs> it's so funny. Good. Um, and Francine I, Prose, former guest of the show. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. I know her. <laughs> yeah, I did, have, I did have a moment of like, oh my God. She's been to the damn library. <laughs> um, I think my favorite story was uh, Sister, which seemed like it was the one. This it's this. It seems like it was all of the things that she always wanted to, or she's thinking of critiques of herself, and she mm -hmm. puts it in Sister, and she. But it's not a sister necessarily. There, it, she turns a sister into sort of a monster. Mm -hmm. um, the There's mom that diatribe that at the end. Oh God, I just I like just 
shirked away from the book into the corner reading that. It's just so, and it has my favorite line in the whole book, actually, that story where the sister says to the main character who they call Mumford, even though her name is Judy. (laughs) She says, you are such a meanie, Mumford. I know you keep a mouse when all you really wish to keep is what it's called. And I felt very attacked by that line. (laughs) And also very seen by it. Like there is that, that difference between you know, wanting to hold what something means and the word and wanting to actually be a part of the world. And I totally, there's that like, I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Um, Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I love the little things like that. There's like mothers and stepmothers are kind of touched on in a lot of stories. Mouse and mice, they're Mm -hmm. all over the place. Moss. 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 moss, moss. Yeah, it's all tongue twisters. Um, yeah, it almost feels like, I mean, God, I don't want to assume how it was written, but it almost feels like a word bank. And that's how like using a mouse to get to like an allegory about the Holocaust or using like, (laughs) let me see, let me set this challenge for myself. I don't know if it was written that way, but there's something about it that feels like that. Like these language constraints just tumbled around over and over until everything is broken and there's mm-hmm. something just like uh yeah trash at the end of it and i i love that approach mm-hmm. um god it's just it's interesting reading this with her columns too because i think she has such an understanding for the spells that we cast on the world around us and like not to <laughs> use the language of fairy tales but i really think that's what this book is it's like this is this is a spell about family this is a spell about Mm -hmm. being a parent this is a spell about like and it's like um the there's an incantatory quality to her prose that's all that's bringing it about but also warning us at the same time and i just I just fell in love with this. I can't wait to read her poems. I am embarrassed to say I haven't read them, but mm. this is, it also felt really kindred to um, Jen George's book, The Babysitter at Rest, also from Dorothy Ooh. Project. Mm-hmm. They have like a very similar um, lawlessness to use Drew's word, which I <laughs> yeah. love. I'm totally going to steal that. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm teaching a class on, writing the surreal and the strange right now and like i can't believe i hadn't read this i'm Mm. totally gonna bring it next week well it's a it's a crazy book and i'm so glad that you put it in our hands because it's such like a it's completely different than the sort of thing than i usually go for um yeah for i always for some reason i don't even though I enjoy reading short stories and often read them between reading short stories, I'm always like, eh, I don't want any more of that. Like give me a novel. Um, and then I always remind, get reminded like, no, short stories are great. <laughs> can, I, can I confess that I did not know this was a short story collection when I recommended it. Ooh, <laughs> that's even better. I know. I thought it was a novel. And then I, was reminded because publishing always has to tell us what everything is on the yeah. cover but i kind of want want to get to that place where you open a book and you have no idea what it is mm-hmm. maybe just that it's fiction or or maybe you know what screw that i don't know i think <laughs> yeah. you're just like halfway through and you're like oh now i am acquainted with the fact that this is a short story collection um i do appreciate when sometimes they don't say like a novel they'll just say like a litany or you know like they <laughs> <laughs> what would a, be the treatise. noun what would be the noun that you would use to um to describe your book Ooh. it's like a um, collective noun for a book yeah <laughs> a mess <laughs> <laughs> I would buy that book in a heartbeat. It doesn't matter what's on the cover, title, subtitle, a mess. It's like, yes, please. I love it. Uh, uh, should we um, should we go into other things we recommend? Um, yeah, sure. sure. 
Drew, do you want to? I will. I will recommend some short story collections. Um, I have been doing some uh, consulting work for the fine folks at Selected Shorts. And so I've been reading a ton of short stories recently, which was also great. This came in and I was like, I get to read this for work. Cool. (laughs) Um, But it's, I am one of those people who in my normal reading life, I will maybe have a short story collection chugging along in the background as I'm reading novels and I'll take a break and read a story or two here or there or to break it up. Um, And it's been wild to like be living in short story collections recently. And I have a new and different appreciation, uh, a new and different appreciation for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But the two that I've read recently that I just really flipped for one is called Things We Lost in the Fire by Mariana Enriquez, um, translated by Christine McSweeney. It's like creepy. We Every single story sets your, your teeth on edge. Um, some of them are outright horror stories, and some of them are just sort of looming, lurking dread. Uh, but every single one of them, long or short, I was just... I absolutely was riveted in a way that I feel like rarely happens with a story collection. I feel like there's always a story that to me as a reader, I'm like, ah, that was the weak one in the collection. (laughs) Um, And so this collection for anybody who likes fiction in translation or creepy stuff, it's a great, it's a killer, killer collection. Um, And then the other one, Similarly, every single story is a home run out of the park is uh, Nafisa Thompson Spires' Heads of the Colored People. Just, I mean, I think some of it is that it is a perfect collection for the moment that we are living in and reading it in between going to protests just made some of the stories land that much more strongly. But it's also just from a craft perspective the first story has these neat meta tricks that turn inward that destabilize the reader to wonder if future stories will play in the same way or play in different ways. And from, from that, from a structure standpoint of how the collection itself is built, it really, it teed me up to be like, all right, I'm open to any and everything like, cool. Um, There's also a, truly hilarious epistolary story in there between two angry moms who are writing back and forth about uh their kids' behavioral problems in an like an elementary school that's mm. a delight um but yeah i i'm very much on the short story train right now so also listeners if you're like hey i've got a great collection hit me up i'm ready for it nice hillary how about you um, I think I'm going to recommend a movie yeah. that I just watched. Um, it came out last year and it's on Netflix right now. It's called See You Yesterday. And the premise is sort of what what would happen if the kids in Back to the Future were Black and in our present day reality. And so it's a time travel story about really smart high school students Um who can do anything and be anything. And um, the brother of the protagonist is killed by police officers in a case of mistaken identity um, and overzealous use of force. And so this thing that they think is going to get them into college and win a science fair, it becomes all about going back and trying to change that one moment. Mm. It, it starts fun and like has a real YA adventure energy to it. And it, it's just one of the most, it ends in this way that's just, I found so breathtaking, incredibly moving. And it's a really good thing to watch with whoever you're, with the people that you're quarantining with and just like have a discussion afterwards. It's Mm. really relevant, obviously, right now in this moment. Um, But I loved it. It's called See You Yesterday. That's awesome. My wife and I were just talking about watching a movie tonight, so it might be that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome a good one christopher um so 
more seriously, uh, Verso Books has the end of policing uh, for free right now. Um, it's a free ebook oh. that you can just download it's, and start reading right away. It's really about how the police in dangerous and why we need to find an alternative. Um, and so if you're curious and still not sure about what all of the protests are about, um, this is the this is a great thing to read and see why people are really saying defund the police or abolish the police. Um, but on the more fun side, I read um, E. Lockhart has a new novel out right now. Um, I had just got it last week and now I have, now I've read it. It's called Again, Again. And I thought it was going to be some sort of like Groundhog Day or like uh, David Levithan's Every Day. But it turns out to be this really interesting um, there are these key moments in this girl's relationship with like breaking up with her sort of first serious boyfriend and maybe trying to get back together or maybe falling in love with someone new that in, um, you see the other universes um, in some of the key moments. So you'll see like this, like one little thing has changed and one little thing has changed and then you'll see the reality. Um, and it's really, really interesting to just sort of see how people like taking how one little thing can change in a scene and make it all completely different. But mm. then you see like the main timeline that you're actually in. Um, it's really, really interesting. And after finishing it, I've it's like some of like a lot of her work, like we were liars. I immediately wanted to turn back and be like, OK, so what did this mean to have these different sequences? Because it feels like it's up to something um, even bigger. Cool. It's so again, again. Yeah, that sounds great. E. Lockhart, it's so good. Um, and you know, go back and listen to our awesome interview with her for Genuine Fraud because that was yeah, fun. that was fun. And it was super fun to have you on the show, Hillary. Yes, um, indeed. Thank you. Thank you for thank doing you so this much. with us. Um, oh, it was a blast. We uh, we want everybody to uh, go and buy Temporary. It's uh, so good to read it and be delighted in this time of struggle uh, delighted and it's it, but don't forget that it is bleak too um, it's bleakly a, delighted it's a um, tap dance on the edge of a building you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna fall but keep going anyway oh i love it um and uh, you know we always like it when you leave itunes reviews you can support us on patreon.com um, smdb if you'd like or follow us on instagram yeah those are all the things there are That's other ways the stuff to find I us I'm sure you can you know you're all yeah. tech savvy people and uh, and yeah thanks again Hillary thank and you yeah. so much we'll it was be back pleasure. in two weeks stay safe everybody stay strong bye bye bye, bye.